sorry. Our, our other mic is still broken at the moment. Well, it is great to see everyone here this morning. It's great to be here with us. And uh, it's Mother's Day. And so happy Mother's Day to the mothers in the room. We all have a mother. We, all, we could not be here if we don't have a mother. So, you know, every one of us has a mom. And I know this day can be painful for some people that are longing to be moms as well. And, and we acknowledge that. You know, that, that there are. There are people are in different stages. There's people that are missing moms that are either, you know, on a different continent or a different place or are no longer with us. And, you know, but it's a day where we can all celebrate and acknowledge we have a mom and, and, and be thankful for that mom because she did the best job she could with the tools she had. You know, there is no perfect parent out there. There's no perfect mother. There's no perfect father. You know, and that's, you know, it, but we can go, hey, I got the best mom, and, and that should be, you know, hopefully for us the, the way that we would feel. You know? But we also acknowledge, and it's, it's an interesting that we're starting this topic today on breaking the power of the past. Because, you know what, I know as a parent, I am far from perfect. You know, my wife is amazing, but she's still not perfect. You know, and, and it's the same. We all, we all have, we all have, uh, parents, and those parents ha- weren't perfect. They were. Did, uh, we all do the best job we can, and we love with the way that we're able to love with the tools we've been given. But the amazing thing is that when we become followers of Jesus, when we get adopted into his family, there's the opportunity to maybe, you know, to be able to rejoice in the good things from the past, but maybe things that were negative for those to be broken off of us. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. And it's actually the theme for this month of what we're talking about. Last week, last month, we were talking about love, right? And love being the measure of our maturity and that we need to, as a church, you know, be able to go, well, what is spiritual maturity? Well, spiritual maturity is our ability to love. It's why Jesus, we spoke about this for last, last month. I'm not going to repeat all of that. But our ability to understand God's love for us, our ability to receive that love ourselves, and our ability to love others with that same love is, is what Christian maturity is all about. All the other things, you know, the gifts of the Spirit, the, you know, the, our, uh, the, the different things we do, the good works that we're prepared for as Scripture tells us in Corinthians that they're all meaningless if love isn't at the core and center of them. But the problem is, is that sometimes we've gone through life and had different experiences that's actually affecting our ability to love. You know, and maybe that's, you know, that we came from a family where that had happened, where the reality was is just for different circumstances, different things that our parents weren't able to love with the same type of love that we see in Scripture. Maybe they weren't Christians, and so they didn't know that love. You know, maybe they were Christians, but there's things that had happened with them. Maybe that's our story, right? Because the the amazing thing, uh, let me read this Scripture for us. Exodus 20, verse 5 and 6. Now, when I first read it, it's going to sound like, you know, if you don't know it, when you first, if you're hearing it from the first time, it sounds kind of bad, but let me explain. So Exodus 20, verse 5 and 6 is just where um, the Ten Commandments are being given in the Old Testament. And it says, You shall not bow down to them in worship, for I, the Lord your God, 
am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sins of their parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. But showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commands. And so that word punishing in Hebrew, and I was reading Pete Scazzaro's book, he references an Old Testament scholar. It says, you know, a better translation of that word punishing would be it tends to get repeated. So that, you know, this, the sins of the parents tend to get repeated to the third and fourth generation. Now, we live in a time where we've got a bit of understanding, a little bit, a very tiny bit of understanding about how our brains work, how, how God's created us that way. Our understanding is only like 150 years old, in term, not even that, in terms of the idea of psychology. And, and we're, who knows, a thousand years from now, we'll have a completely different understanding, maybe. But the, the little bit that we know is that we're formed both by DNA you know, we, that God has created, God created DNA. And so there's parts of us that are passed on, you know, literally in this thing we call DNA from generation to generation. We also know that we're affected by the people around us, family, friends, culture, you know, all these things play into who we are, every one of them. And it's really important for us to understand this because if we are going to truly break free of our pasts and live as new creations in Christ, if we're going to love the way that God has called us to love, we've got to be able to acknowledge the good and the bad of our pasts. We've got to be able to, you know, able to say, yeah, this was not good. You know, and, and, but that sometimes, <laughs> Our culture would say, oh, I can't acknowledge anything negative that happened in my past because that would be dishonoring of my family. But we've been shaped by all of these different things. They having a, uh, they're playing in our lives. You know, again, I am not a scientist and an expert in this in any way, shape, or form, so just take this as a little bit. But they're, they're starting to discover that our DNA that they used to think was set is actually writable and rewritable. So that means that the experiences that I have up to having children are being written into my DNA and I'm passing that on. But it also means that I am not that I am not for my life like you know doomed to repeat what is in my DNA. And our DNA not only affects how our body is built you know, the physical, the biological growth, but it affects our thinking. And how God's created us, we only begin to understand this stuff. So we go to Scripture for a bit of understanding. I know this topic for us can be like, you know, this is an interesting and sometimes controversial topic. So let me acknowledge that. Because there's those you know, of two camps if I was going to be black and white. There's those on one side that would go, when I'm a new creation in Christ, Christ has paid for all the sins of the cross, and you know, I'm, I'm a new creation, I don't need to do anything about my past because Jesus has paid for it all. Right? And so on that side, it would be, I just need to pray more, I just need to read my Bible more, and everything will be fine. 
And I've known people on that side of the argument. At times, I've taken that position on things, and, it, and there's some breakthrough and some failure. Right? The reality is, is that, yeah, we do want to get to know Scripture, and we do want to grow in our relationship with Jesus. We, don't, we need to learn to pray more. And as we do that, some of the Scriptures we're going to read, the reality of who Jesus is you know, comes into our life. But depending on our past experiences, if we don't go on to where this other side is, because the other side would go you know, at its extreme, would say, oh, you've got to go through all kinds of deliverance and therapy and, and all kinds of different things everyone has to in order to be free. And there's some truth for some people in that. But we can't go, everyone has to go through all this over here, or, or no one needs to, to go through this, because it depends so much on what we've gone through and what's happened in our lives. And sometimes we need help. Sometimes we need to go through, you know, get counseling. We need to get prayer. We need to get deliverance. We need help to be able to fully live in who we are in Jesus. But the most important thing for each and every one of us is that we would have a desire to break through from our pasts. You know, I know some people that have grown up in you know, multiple generation Christian families, extremely healthy ones, and you see the health of that in them. The reality is they didn't have a whole lot of different things to work through in their lives. Why? Because their parents worked through them. You know, generations of knowing Jesus, it was passed down in both the nurture and DNA to these people. And, and for them, actually, their walk with God is very, is a lot more simpler than someone who may have gone through, through abuse or neglect or, or other, uh, other things in their life or other spiritual things that are getting in the way of them walking free with God. We can also have things in our past like think, just bad teaching that we've been taught. You know, we come across different beliefs, but so much of what we live out of is what we believe. You know, our minds tell us where we should go. They're like the programming of a computer. So if we have false beliefs about God, if we have false beliefs about ourselves, then those play out. We live in a society right now that is anxiety-ridden, where depression is, is huge, especially in, in the younger generation. They have, are being programmed constantly by false beliefs. And there's a breaking of those false beliefs that's really important. So we've got to break the power of these things. And sometimes that breaking happens in an instant moment, where a moment of prayer where God breaks through, and other times those beliefs have become so ingrained in someone that you know, there's a journey they have to go through in order to be free. I want us to pause on this for a second. Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would be, for those here in the room, for those that are watching on video, that you'd be meeting with us right now. Because this topic can be a really uncomfortable one, and it causes us to have to confront things in our life 
maybe confront things in our past. And those can be really uncomfortable things. But God, you're safe. You are a good father. And you love your children. You love us. And so as we're, you're ministering to us this morning, as you're ministering to us this month, may we trust you for greater and greater levels of freedom. You know, it's just a known thing, both in the church and outside of the church, that things like alcoholism, addiction, depression, unstable marriages, mistrust of authority, unresolved conflict, they get passed from generation to generation if they're not broken. You know, poverty gets passed from generation to generation. What the examples set for us are the way that things live, we tend to live out. And there takes an intervention, and that intervention being Jesus, you know, in our lives, where he truly becomes the King and King and Lord of Lords over us, and, and, and we allow him to rule and reign. But I want to say to you this morning, because you know your life, right? You know the things you struggle with. You know the moments when, as a parent or as a friend or just alone, where you're like, the way I'm acting is not the way I want to be. And, and for some reason, I have this loop or I have these multiple loops or these different behaviors, and they, they are affecting. Like, I know this about God, but I can't seem to live it out. I know that from my life. There's been so many different things, and there's still things I'm working on. And God's love for me through all of that does not change. He is not holding any of those things against me. And going, well, James, you're a failure. Or James, you just will never get it together. And he says the same over you. He says, I have provided a way out, a way through, and trust me, each person's journey is going to be different. And, you know, where we, we can't covet the journey of another. For one person, God may set them th- free in an instant, you know, or, or a, a series of these dramatic moments, and that's their journey. For others, it's a longer journey. May we remember that there were times in Scripture we see the same, where Paul has, you know, Paul has this dramatic encounter on the road to Taurus, where he is struck blind he, by, you know, and he is confronted by Jesus because he's been killing Christians. He has this dramatic conversion moment and then goes, lives in obscurity for the next 13, 14 years. We don't know anything about what God did in those 13 or 14 years to transform Saul into Paul. But there was a journey he had to go through. He had to let go of his, his old, his pride, his pharisaical training, and the way that he saw the world as he'd been trained to uh, in, by his Jewish culture. And he had to come to see the world in a different way, to see himself in a different way, to see Jesus in a different way, so that he could bring the gospel and be who he was. 
We see with Joseph that he went through a huge process of being imprisoned, of being enslaved, in order for God to prepare him for, the, for, for being you know, the second in charge in Egypt. We see Moses prepared for 40 years in the desert before he is you know, led to, in, back to Egypt to lead people you know, from Egypt into the promised land. So each one of those people had different dramatic moments with God. Joseph had his dream. Moses had the burning bush. But that didn't mean there wasn't process. You know, and there was for me when I was younger in my faith, I would hear these stories. So someone would be like, I was at this meeting and God encountered me and I just was knocked to the floor and I was shaking. And like an hour or two later, I woke up and I was a changed person and go, I wish God would do it to me. Why won't you do that to me, God? But as I matured more and as I got to know some of the stories behind some of those people, that moment started a process that then took years to walk out. It wasn't that in a moment they were healed and everything was perfect. It was that moment got their attention, focused it back on Jesus, and then they went through a process of healing and restoration and change. So let's not live on one side or the other of this camp. Let's expect both in our lives. Let's put Jesus, you know, up where he should be as the king of kings of our lives and go, hey, Lord, I will trust you with whatever process you want to bring me through. You know, I'm, I'm pretty open about this, that there's you know, been different things in my life and in my past that, that have been very difficult for me to work through on my journey with God. Massive insecurities, you know, really unhelpful behaviors at times that, that I've had to walk through and continue at times to learn how to walk through. And, and recently I had a situation where there was an, something I trying, was trying to get breakthrough on. And... God used the most unorthodox process. He used something that, that if from my own way of doing things, I would go this, I would never do this. There is no way, it was, you know, there's no way I would ever meet with this person. This was the truth. There's no way I would let this person minister to me because of some stuff that had happened in the past. And yet God's like, James, I need you to humble yourself. You've got to trust me with this process. I need you to be humble and walk through this. It's like, okay. Because God, the thing that matters most to me is not my way of you working, but I will follow you. I will trust you. And there was a trust in my heart. Even though walking into it, I, there was a lot of fear and a lot of different things that were going on. It's like, God, I'm going to trust you with this process and got the most incredible breakthrough because I chose to do it God's way. I didn't tell God how he was going to do it. I didn't say your word in the scripture says this in my interpretation of that scripture means, God, you have to do it like this. Like, Lord, whatever way you want to do to bring freedom, you bring freedom. Whatever you need to do to bring freedom, bring freedom. So to be free, we've got to acknowledge the need for it. We have to acknowledge that maybe, if we, uh, maybe our upbringing wasn't perfect. Maybe the culture we came from wasn't perfect. Maybe there's things that have happened in our life that, that we're like, why do we do that? 
And we need to let God in to those things. We have to acknowledge that we all have a past and that past can be affecting us today. And let God in and let him bring healing and let him bring freedom to us. Then we also need to recognize that we're birthed into his new family, a family of Jesus. Still back in Exodus, Exodus 20, 12, it says, Honor your father and mother so that you may live long in the land and the Lord your, that the Lord your God is giving you. So we know that. It's one of the Ten Commandments. Honor your mother and father. It's so important. We honor our parents, even if they were imperfect, even if we didn't know them, your mother and father. I know there's people that maybe watch here in the room, people that may be listening, that maybe don't even know their mother or their father. But we can acknowledge just even the fact that they chose to give birth to us. We honor people where we can honor them. We honor, you know, and there may be with our parents tons we can honor. Or there may be little that we can honor, depending on our, our, our upbringing. But it's honoring that. It's so important we forgive. It's so important we forgive. Because if we don't forgive, you know, our, again, in the context of family, we never can actually live in the things that God has for us. Forgiving doesn't make something right. Forgiving says, despite the wrong that happened here, I, I, I'm letting go. I forgive you. And when we can be honest with our own journey, so we realize, man, you know what? I'm not perfect. And there's lots of things that affect how I am. Then we can be honest in letting others off the hook. When we can acknowledge our own imperfection, we can also acknowledge theirs. I want to pause on this for a moment. If you have things that the Holy Spirit's bringing to mind that you need to give, forgive parents for, let's just take the opportunity to do that. Just let, let that come to mind. Again, no parent is perfect. I am not perfect. There's things my kids need to forgive me for. There's no perfect parent. So whatever the Holy Spirit is bringing to mind, just, you know, to keep this private between you and God, just repeat these under your breath or, or with, just in your mind. But it's, it's Jesus, I forgive whoever it is for whatever they did. I acknowledge, I acknowledge that they did the best they could with what they had. We all do the best we can with what we have, with what we can do at that time. Even if it doesn't seem like it. Even if it doesn't seem like it. 
Matthew 10:37 it says anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. So on one hand we're like honor our parents. But then it's like hey don't put anything above Jesus. This scripture in Matthew 10:37 is not suggesting we dishonor our parents or family. But that we can't put anything. We can't put our family or our children as an idol above God. Doesn't mean we abuse them, neglect them, forsake them. It means that we recognize Jesus first. That is what Jesus is saying. The context of that scripture, well, Read a little farther, Luke eight nineteen to 21. Because here it says, Now Jesus' mother and brother came to see him, but they were not able to get near him because of the crowd. Someone told him, Your mother and your brothers are standing outside waiting to see you. And Jesus replied, My mother and my brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. And then Romans 8, verses 14 to 16, it says, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Isn't that amazing? You've been adopted into God's family. You have a family. We are part of the family of God. Each and every one of us, our sins have been paid for. And we're told we've been forgiven much, so we should forgive much. Forgiveness is, is so important. It's a foundation of this new family that we are part of. It's a foundation of the new family we're part of. So we forgive. We forgive those who've wronged us, those who've hurt us, those that you know, have hurt us in the past, whoever they would be. We've been talking about mother and father, but there may be other people that you need to forgive. There may be you know, other sins that have been committed against you in the past, and we've got to let those go. We cannot live in the freedom that God has for us. That could be someone that was part of this new family of God that's hurt you. And we're going to hurt each other because we're still these imperfect creations in Christ, each and every one of us. We're going to do things that, that hurt one another. And we've got to, if we're going to really live in love, we've got to live in forgiveness. We can't talk about love without talking about forgiveness. We can't live a life of love without living a life of forgiveness. Forgiveness doesn't empower people to keep hurting us. It allows us to go, oh, that did hurt. That's not okay. But I'm going to let this person, I'm not going to carry that around and, and think terrible things about them. It's the same thing that we see over and over in Scripture. Like Stephen, as he's being stoned by the Pharisees and Sadducees, looks up to heaven and goes, God, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. And the truth is, the people that hurt us, they don't know what they're doing. They don't know, they wouldn't if they did. We may go, oh, no, they must intend it. But again, it could be scripts from their past playing out. It could be other people have hurt them. You know, as we're part of this new family of God, if we're truly in this new family, we don't hurt each other intentionally. 
And that doesn't excuse it. You know, we've got to break the power of the past. And these moments of forgiveness can be opportunities. Like, hey, I forgive you, but this, you know, this, this, this is painful. And this is something that's not okay. If we can have that conversation with one another. I'll say, that's not okay. You can't treat me like that. You know, what you're doing is hurtful and painful. I'm not going to get angry. I'm not going to attack you. I'm not going to reject you. But what you've done is hurtful and painful. But as I say that, if you're being abused by someone, let's say you're in a marriage and you are being physically, emotionally, sexually abused, even if it's a Christian marriage, you need to separate from that person. You need to go, hey, this is not okay. If you won't get help, if we cannot get, change this pattern of behavior, I can, it's not safe for me to be around you. If you've got a friend that's manipulating or controlling because of their own, their own stuff or hurting you in some way or the other, it's, it's okay to go, hey, listen, I love you and I would love us to be friends, but there's stuff here that's really, we can't, you know, this is not okay. And if, if we, you know, if you don't get help for this behavior, then I can't be in relationship with you because you're hurting me. And that's as much breaking the power of the past that's speaking truth in love because it's got to be from that place of love, that love that is patient, that is kind, that doesn't delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. And the truth is, is that anyone that's a Christian can get free. We don't have to reject people because we're all part of this family of Christ and we can get free. But that doesn't mean we let us hurt one another. That's not love. That's not love. It's not loving to allow, you know, people, whether they are parents, whether they are a spouse, whether they are children or whether they're friends or just people that are part of a community to hurt one another. We've got to break the power of the past. Because for some of us, the power of the past that needs to be broken is a thing that says that we are not worthy of being loved or that it's okay for someone to hurt us or that the only way we're going to be liked by people is if we let them, you know, put up with all this behavior. And we got to break that power. For some, it's like, well, the only way that I can, you know, there's so many different behaviors that we could need to break. But we've got to acknowledge them. We've got to call them what they are and go, hey, I am a new creation in Christ. You know, and this is a journey. If it's a journey, you know, I'm not saying that tomorrow everyone's behavior is going to change. I'm saying that because of God's love for us, because we're in a community where we love one another, we can create an environment where people can change. One of the most unloving things we can do is be being, you know, hurt or offended by somebody and say nothing to them. That's not love. You know, the idea that not confronting something. You know, if you've been adopted into this new family in Christ, if you're part of this family, we've got to be a people that in love deal with sin without rejecting, without condemning, without saying you're not good enough, without saying, you know, you've got to get out of here, without saying, you know, you're, you're yeah, without all the negative that would come with that. The thing that says, I love you, I embrace you. Yeah, We're all part of this family together. You can't do that. We do that in our, we should do that in our families, like at home. And we should do that 
in our family of Christ. We have to put off the sinful patterns of our family of origin or our culture and learn how to do life in the new family of Jesus. Here's the amazing thing is that God has equipped us with everything we need to do that. 10 Corinthians 2, verse 3 to 5, it says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. The strongholds being talked about in the scripture is not some fortress somewhere. They are patterns and ways of thinking that are set up in our mind, whether they, however they've got there, that keep us from being able to live in the fullness of God. A stronghold can be, Christ is not powerful to help me. A stronghold can be, my parents were this way, I'm going to be this way. A stronghold can be, I deserve to be treated badly. A stronghold can be that, you know, I'm never going to be able to deal with my anger. I'm never going to be able to deal with sexual sin. I'm never going to break free from pornography. I'm never going to, I'm never going to get things right in my marriage. I'm never going to be lovable. These are all strongholds in our mind that the reality is that the family of God working together in unity with Christ has the ability to demolish those strongholds. Amen? The thing that is the most powerful tool that we have is the love of God. Remember, the love of God is what leads people to repentance. The love of God is what breaks down strongholds. The good news about Jesus, what Paul's talking about there in 10 Corinthians, is the gospel. What do we have in the power to break down the strongholds? The fact that Jesus Christ has paid for all of our sins, that we have been completely forgiven, that we have been set free, that the power of sin no longer has a hold over us, and we can get free. And if that means we need to go to counseling to get free, if that means we need to go to some type of prayer ministry to get free, if that means that we need to be really open and honest and transparent with someone that we trust so that we can be free, we have what we need to be free free. No one can get free by themselves. We weren't designed that way. We don't get free by like, okay, it's just me and God, and, and we're just going to, you know, it's God and me, we're going to do this. We get free in community. We get free walking with one another. We get free by being honest, by getting honest with ourselves, by getting honest with the people around us and getting help if we need help. And being honest, if we've cut patterns in our life that we have not been able to break through for long periods of time, go, okay, what do I need to do to get free? What do I need to do to get free? Romans 12, 1 to 2, it says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Then you will be able to test and approve what God, God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. It's the interesting thing that we actually can really only understand God's will when we've allowed our minds to be transformed. 
right? It says that right there. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Imagine how powerful a free church will be. Imagine how powerful it is when we truly can acknowledge and break free of the powers of our past. This is what God invites us into. He's inviting each and every one of us into this thing this morning and and over this month. Next week, uh, Anne is uh, going to speak on this topic and uh, just share some of their journey. I'm really going to take the last four minutes I've got. I will share again in a couple of weeks and maybe share a bit more. I I speak on this and I'm I'm struggling because I'm struggling a little bit because I'm speaking around something. You know, and in the event my family's watching this, you know, my family, they're, they're wonderful, loving people that are also broken people. And there was a lot of brokenness in my past, you know? And a lot of that's spiritually based because there was just a lot of spiritual confusion in my family. And it's been an incredibly difficult journey to walk some of this through. I talked to, say, I said a few weeks ago, I don't know, in the last month or so, I'm not the saint my wife is. And my wife's not perfect either. But at the end of the day, she's... God told her before she married me, will you take care of this person? And she's walked with me through incredibly difficult things. And at times, I've been told both of these things. I've had people that tell me, you, I know in the first church I was in, counseling is bad. Don't go to counselors. You just need you know, the elders to pray for you and everything will be fine. And it wasn't fine. It wasn't fine. And the truth is that it's a journey for me, a journey of decades of off and on going and getting counseling and getting breakthrough in different ways, getting prayer and different things and in God's time to get breakthrough, to live in everything that I am living in today. People come up to me and go, man, how did you speak on love? I wouldn't have been able to speak on love the way I spoke on love if it wasn't for God using different people and, and different counselors in particular to help me understand what love is. Because for most of my life, I had no concept of how to love myself you know and that's not my family's fault at all now that was other experiences that i had that caused me to believe that that at the core of my being i believed i was unlovable and until i could get there until i could get to the place that i understood that I actually had this ungodly belief that I wasn't lovable, even though I could would preach in theory about the love of God. Until I could get breakthrough on that, I couldn't truly give and receive love. And that's just one aspect of my journey and my preparation, the things that God's doing. We all have it. We all have it. Don't be afraid of it. <laughs> You know, don't be afraid to let God in to the, to the things. Don't be afraid to confront things. I've spoken to some people at times, and they're like, I'm afraid that if I confront it, I'll fall apart. God's not going to let you fall apart. Or he may, you know, for a short period, 
as you work something through, but he does that because he's the potter. And he lets something that is formed wrong be broken so it can be formed right and be reformed into the image that God has called each and every one of us to be. So don't be afraid of this process. Don't run away from this process. Preaching on this is not going to cure you. But what I'm hoping is that what we'll do over this month is be able to transform our thinking so that we are okay with engaging with different resources and we'll share different resources that you have access to as a community to be able to get the breakthrough that each one of us, you know, needs. And God gave apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists. Sometimes counselors are the best pastors there are. Christian ones, obviously. You know, they're able to help bring God into our lives in a way that no one else can. So let's enjoy this journey. If it's uncomfortable at times, that's okay. Because the other side of this journey for all of us is going to be a renewed ability to love and the re ability to live in true peace and joy. True peace and joy in our lives. Amen? Amen. I'll hand it over to you. Thank you very much, James. I think that was a very powerful message. And I do take away things because what we believe from this church is that we be honest. And when James speaks and when he spoke the word that we all are going to go through a journey, but our reference point is Jesus. And I truly believe each one of us, even as we leave from here and we talk about our past, we take pride in that. We learn from that. And we continue on a journey which is full of glory and hope. Christ is the, Christ in us, the hope of glory. I truly believe. Let's just quickly pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this word. We thank you that you're constantly transforming us from inside out. And when we are in a place of surrender, that our journey is constantly moving in your destiny, Lord. We just bless everyone who are here. And as we ponder through this word, Holy Spirit, you minister to us and break anything which we are carrying from the past in the name of Jesus. And you just release your power and the light as we have been hearing since morning. And there's no shadow and perfect love cast out every fear. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It's a beautiful evening, uh, day, guys, everybody. Thank you so much for joining in. I've got three points to say quickly. First, everyone, parents, if you can just make your way and collect your children before you come back here and just mingle around, have some cookie and coffee. And we keep everybody inside because we cannot step out. There's a, like a cinema people coming in, so they want us to be inside the area, just around the, t uh, around the table. And you can always come back and meet and please do introduce each other, spend time. The sun is getting bright. Let's go and connect with each other, spend time, and just give glory to God. The last thing I want to say is that please look at Stella, who is driving the toy drive. I just want you to make sure that you connect with her. A lot of children and parents, if they have a connection to 
bring toys, the gently used toys for the drive. They are, she's making it. Let's support her. So have a great day, guys. Bless you and see you next week.